Welcome to another episode of Preferred Walk-On, PFF's college football show. I'm your host, Max Chadwick, alongside my co-host, Dalton Wasserman. Dalton, we've made it, man. Conference Championship Weekend. And not only that, we're previewing all five Power 5 Conference Championship games. If you want to see our Group of Five uh, previews, check out the last episode on Monday. We did a kind of an abbreviated preview of those five games. And we're going in-depth for all five of these games. And Dalton... All five of these conference championship games in the Power Five have a playoff contender in them, which I can't remember the last time that we've had all five conference games matter for the college football playoff. We still have eight teams left that can make the Final Four, in my opinion. So it should be an absolutely loaded conference championship weekend, and we have some juicy, juicy matchups that we're going to get into as well. Absolutely. It's the week of weeks, Max. Last week was the best Saturday of college football uh, this year, and, and this one might be even better. You've got, of those eight teams you just mentioned, seven of them playing, Ohio State the only one out, and just uh, big-time, epic matchups, NFL players left and right, mm-hmm. quarterback duel, the quarterback duel Friday night, Georgia-Bama on Saturday, just just uh, even, even for there only being five huge games, and the group of five slates really good, too, if you catch any of that, but just just a terrific slate of games maybe I, I i think you're right the best conference championship slate that i can remember at least this is just uh, several of these games man are, are at least three of them are probably dead even games and and, and the yeah. other ones might be the, the other ones might be just as good because it's college football and and when you got teams trying to win conference titles especially underdogs man you never know what could happen Absolutely. I'm rocking the college football shirt right now because we're going to have an unbelievable weekend of college football this weekend. Like you mentioned, man, like I said, I, I think there's always been at least one conference title game that was really just for near six implications, really didn't have any playoff implications. That's not the case this year. All five of them, like I said, have playoff implications. And this one is pretty much a quarterfinal in itself. And that is number three, Washington against number five, Oregon in the Pac-12 title game, Friday night, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. So the playoff scenario that if you want to check out our deeper conversation where we went over everything for every playoff contender and how they can get in. But quickly, the abbreviated one for this one is for Washington, you're winning, you're in. But you could still make it with a loss. Uh, You probably would need Florida State, Texas, and Alabama to be in the conversation. But like we mentioned in the last episode, there's still a chance that the committee sides with an 11 and one Ohio state over a 12 and one Washington. It might come down to how badly Washington loses. If they lose to Oregon, Oregon is winning in. That's it. That's the only scenario you can have. You can't lose and get in with two losses, obviously. Uh, But if you win, you're guaranteed a spot. You don't really need any help because you're already the number five team in the country. So that's kind of the playoff scenarios for both teams. It's really a win and in for either team. And Washington has a sliver of hope uh, if they lose to Oregon and probably a close game. But what is the matchup, Dalton, that you're really, really excited to see in this game? This game for me, for as much as we have the superstar quarterbacks and we have the rematch and and so much star power, Odunze might go top 10 in the draft and Oregon's running back. So this game, the more I looked at it, is about Oregon's defense. Dan Lanning and Tosh LePoy putting together something better than they've done the last two games against Washington. Let me get you a comparison, Max. Against everybody other than Washington the last two years, Oregon's defensive grade is an 89.5. Their coverage grade's over a 90. Pretty much everything is stellar, all right? again In the two games against Washington, their defensive grade's a 54.3, and the coverage grade is a 43. All right, so they right now, 
for everything Oregon does right, and as consistently as they play, Michael Penix is the kryptonite, man. I, I, this yep. Just straight up. Their, their defense has not played well at all in the last two games against Oregon – against excuse me, against Washington. Losing by a field goal, that's what it's been about. Is in crunch time, they've had no answers for Michael Penix. And for me – I think it's I think it's a schematic thing. I think a big thing is they've only gotten one sack against Penix across the two games. Once. You know, last year's game he was pressured around, I think it was 23%, which is not a good number. This year it was in the mid-30s, I think 36 or 37, which is better, but they still only got one sack. And they they have to they have to find a way to get to Penix. And and, and it's been shown we have numbers on this for the whole season. I've mentioned it before. You've got to go get him. You have to go get him. He doesn't move much. He's the best pure pocket passer in the country, okay? I mentioned this against Oregon State for Washington. If you only send four all night, you're going to lose. You're going to lose. It's that simple. This year, when he's not blitzed, 91.8 grade. When he is blitzed, a 74.5. If you blitz him, if you get after him because he wants to sit back there and make vertical throws, he's not awful, but he is normal. And you really, really need to make great quarterbacks normal. That's the goal, right? Bo Nix, honestly, like against Washington, he was he was good, but he was normal good. He wasn't 500 yards and six touchdowns and doing things that he does against Cal and these teams. They need to find a way to do the same thing with Penix, right? In these two games, when he faces four or fewer rushers, a 91.8 passing grade with six big-time throws, and against five or more rushers, a 69.4. When Oregon blitzes, when they send the dogs after Penix, he's a normal quarterback, just like everybody else, mm-hmm. right? Anybody who – Arizona State. You know why Arizona State, even though they're the worst team in the Pac-12, gave Washington problems? Because they blitzed them more than any other team this year. It's 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 actually really simple. Is, is Oregon – are they going to play the same brand of football they always play, which is really darn good? Okay, that's cool. Their defense is more of a better than a sum of its parts thing. As mm-hmm. opposed to having last year, they had one first round talent, Christian Gonzalez, but that doesn't help them up front. This year, they really don't have any. They have good players. Brandon Dorless is great, run yep. stopper the whole bit. The secondary works together well, but they don't have the guys who can hold up and cover Romo Dunze for four or five seconds and and expect to get home to Penix. And Washington's offensive line is really good. If you rush four, he's going to be protected, one, because he gets the ball out, and two, because their whole line is great. If if I'm – do you remember last year – I'm going to do an NFL thing real quick. When the Bills played the Dolphins in the playoffs. Okay. okay. And they knew. It's Skylar Thompson versus Josh Allen, right. and, and it's and it's your big underdogs, and it's in Buffalo, and it's a mess, and everybody's picking you to lose by 20, right? And what do they do in that game? Because Josh Allen, at least last year, I haven't checked it this year, not great against the blitz. Kind of rushes things or takes off running and things get weird. So what did Miami do the entire game? Basically zero blitzed him the whole game and took yep. the gamble. Okay. Took the gamble. Didn't win the game. He got some big shots because he's Josh Allen and Stefan Diggs and all that. But they made him normal. And they made him rush. And they kept themselves in the game. And honestly, outside of some weird calls at the end of the game, they had a chance to win that football game. This, and it's a much more even matchup offensively, obviously, than Josh Allen versus Skylar Thompson. That I they have to Oregon has to I think get out of their own element on defense. Go get him. This has been proven by not the best teams by Arizona State. By Oregon State was in the rain. They blitzed him a little, but not much. That's why they really didn't stand much of a chance against Penix anyway. But 
the games we keep that everybody keeps talking about Washington struggling. And I keep saying, look, they're one of the five best teams in the country, but this is a thing. Go get him. I would honestly, if I was Dan Lanning, I would, I would come out and blitz Penix every single play until something goes wrong. I, I really would. This is, this to me is the answer. I just don't know that they're going to do it. And I don't know that if they play defense the same way they have for two years, you know, right. Lenning's been there two years. They've played defense the same yeah. way since he, since he's been there for, for two years, they have to do something different on defense or they're just, or they will lose another shootout. They have to. And, and, and they have, it's right there. You put on the tape and you blitz Washington and bad things start to happen for them. It's, it's that simple to me. Yeah, absolutely. That's a great breakdown. And you mentioned before, I mean, Oregon and Washington, man, they have two of the best offensive lines in terms of pass protection in the country. Oregon's number one in pass blocking grade this year. Washington is number eight in pass blocking grade. So it's not like if you send three or four, you can say, okay, maybe Dorless will be able to get him by himself. No, Washington, man, has had an unbelievable offensive line uh, this season. Uh, they've had really good tackle play. Another center is really grading out really well as well. That's the thing is, yeah, you have to blitz Michael Penix Jr. And the Oregon State game was close because it was horrible weather and they couldn't really throw the ball that well. But if they blitzed him more, maybe Oregon State might have pulled off the upset in that game. So, yeah, that's a great breakdown. What I wanted to talk about, uh, a little more individual-based, because this game, not only is this game for the Pac-12 championship, the final Pac-12 championship, and also, like we said before, basically a college football playoff quarterfinal where the winner is guaranteed to go on to the college football playoff this game also, in my opinion, will determine the winner of the Heisman Trophy. You look at the odds right now. Bo Nix is minus 185, according to BetMGM, to take home the stiff arm trophy this season. He leads all quarterbacks in the nation with a 92.8 passing grade. Also leads all quarterback quarterbacks in the nation with an 85.7% adjusted completion rate, which basically means your completion percentage plus any drops that your receivers have. So he's basically putting a ball on target on 86% of his passes this year, which is an insane number and obviously leads the nation. Um, if the Ducks win this game and they avenge their loss to Washington and they obviously move on to the college football playoff, Bo Nix is your Heisman Trophy winner. He's winning the Heisman Trophy. However, if Washington wins this game, Penix might have a chance if he has an unbelievable game because Penix right now is third in Heisman Trophy odds at plus 1,600 according to BetMGM, but in my opinion, the more likely scenario if Washington pulls this upset off, technically upset because they're underdogs by nine and a half points, which we'll get into in a little bit about how crazy that is. But if Washington wins this game, Jaden Daniels, I think, is ending up as your Heisman Trophy winner. Right now, Jaden Daniels is second uh, in Heisman, as I believe, around plus 140. So it really seems like it's a two-horse race right now between Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels. And I think you and I both agree, Dalton, that we would both vote for Jaden Daniels to take home the Heisman Trophy. Um, and we also have interviews with Bo Nix and Jaden Daniels uh, on this channel. So if you want to check out both interviews, they're, they're really, really great guys as well. But I think, you know, obviously this game is for a lot team-wise in terms of a playoff spot in the final Pac-12 championship. But individually, this will determine who takes home the Heisman Trophy. If Bo Nix wins, he's winning it, in my opinion. Uh, I, I wouldn't vote for him, but he will win it. If Bo Nix loses, I think Jaden Daniels overtakes him as the uh, Heisman frontrunner. I'm, I'm going to – there's two hills I'm going to die on and we're going to get to the other one later. Uh, Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman regardless. Absolutely. I, I I'm, I'm, not in, I'm not in on this. I, 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 and it's a three-horse race, by the way. Penix is in that race. He might be third at the moment. 
But I, I Jane Daniels should win the Heisman regardless for me. And, and I know I get it. Narrative wins, all that stuff. But it is, I, I just don't, there is, Jane Daniels is at no, no fault at all for them losing three games. And look, they're ranked number 15 in the country. If they were five and seven, I might get it, but they're, they're nine and three, the 15th in the country probably won't make a new year's six bowl, but they'll get like the next best one beyond that. Even last week against a good A&M defense, uh, another four passing touchdowns, another 120 yards on the ground. I, I get it with Knicks and he's only thrown two picks and the degree of difficulty uh, varies with him. I, I, I think his job is a little easier than some of these other guys with between the best pass protection in like PFF history. And, yep. and I, 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 he's only got 17 big time throws and the other two guys are up in the thirties. Mm-hmm. I, I, I know, I know the traditional stats in the old heads are passing yards and passer rating and completion percentage and, and things that can very easily be manipulated. But look, it's a three horse race. I would take Daniels. I get the narrative thing, but Penix ain't out of it either. Look, he comes out in this game and throws five touchdowns and, 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 and wins this game. You still have an argument, but I I'm still, I'm still going to die on the hill that Jaden Daniels should, should, he should win it regardless. The, the rushing for me, the rushing for, he, I think he's got almost 1200 yards. If you take out sacks, the rushing for me is too, this guy, this guy's doing, did I see, oh, what number was it? Did I see his numbers basically maybe total touchdowns or a couple less, but are basically the same as Joe Burrow that year at LSU? Yeah. No, that was that was the that was a stat I posted last week, and people were mad at yeah. the crowd. I was like, dude, if we're even, I'm not even saying he's better than Joe Burrow in that year because that, that might have been the greatest season we've ever seen by a quarterback. But the fact that was. we're even talking about it is like that's to show you that hey, this is this, this is the Heisman Trophy winner. I, I, I'm I'm gonna ride this train until April. Jaden Daniels should win the Heisman. If he doesn't, he should have. He's got to go top twenty in the draft. If there are a boatload of teams in the NFL, I can name right now that should look at Jaden Daniels as yep. as their next quarterback. This this is. This is this is not a fluke. This is not this guy is an animal. And if you just go if you go by the numbers and obviously the grades lean towards even to, towards Daniels now over the other two, I, it it should be him. But I I get the narrative part. Oregon's blazing hot, but they they do have to win the game for him to win it. I, I, I Dude, believe that. So Jane Daniels leads the nation in passer rating. He's third in passing yards. Also, he has 180 more rushing yards than the next closest quarterback in college football. Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. are not running that much. Bo Nix can run, but he hasn't really done it at all this year. I think he has around 200, 300 yards this year. Jay Daniels is like 1,100 right now. And, and when, so I, he's, when, I looked, when I looked last week, I believe there was only 10 running backs with more rushing yards than Jaden Daniels. <laughs> when it might, yeah. be, it might be even less than that now. He had another 120. And the, the Bo Nix thing, man, is like Bo Nix's average at the target this year is seven yards downfield, whereas Jaden Daniels is over 10 Day, uh, Penix is over 11. I mean, that is like Bonix is not, again, he's not pushing the ball downfield that much, which again, they're a very efficient offense regardless. It's not what he needs to play, but I agree with that. I think it sh- clearly is Jaden Daniels, but I think in terms of who actually is going to win it, not who we would vote for, uh, I don't really care who wins this game. I would vote for Jaden Daniels regardless of who, even if Bonix was out there and throw six touchdown passes, I would still vote for Jaden Daniels. But I think the voters, if Bo Nix wins, I think he's winning the Heisman Trophy. If Penix wins, then maybe the voters will be swayed into giving Jaden Daniels some love. So uh, Jaden Daniels should be a very big Washington fan in this game because that ultimately might be uh, the reason why he wins the Heisman Trophy is if Bo Nix loses to Washington. But ultimately, Dolan, Washington beat Oregon earlier this year, and they're still nine-and-a-half-point underdogs to Oregon in the Pac-12 title game now 
who ultimately wins the Pac-12 championship game and who goes on to the college football playoff. I felt good about this the first time and it was a war and I came out on top and this is going to be another one like the last two have been. I, I have been riding this wave where I, I'm, I'm going to pick Washington in this game unless I see something substantially different or an injury or something. I'm, I'm taking Washington. I'm going to do it. I think Penix and big Mo- Penix and Odunze in big moments are special. They can match them in the trenches. Washington's defensive line in the last two games against Oregon has been spectacular. They've been the only team that has Oregon's offensive line struggling. Braylon Trice and company up front. Okay. And and I know maybe not in the run game, but Oregon's going to run it well because schematically they run it well. And I, you know, they're going to get what they get. Washington's run defense is the weakest part, but Washington's, you know, they've gotten so much grief for playing tight. Look, you're playing rivals, playing teams in conference. To me, the SEC is not the best conference this year. It's the Pac-12. Top to bottom, I mean, even Arizona State all the way at the bottom playing good football. I, this is seriously. I, I, I'm, I'm sick of discrediting teams for playing a couple close games, okay? I, and really the only egregious one is the Arizona State one, and we saw them play USC tough. We've seen them play other teams tough. Mm-hmm. It's, it's not like it's it's not crazy to think, oh, Arizona State played a good game. Like and they came out with the right game plan. They blitzed Washington more than anybody. This is what you do if you want to beat them. Go get them. Right. But Washington in the last two games, despite the close score, has been the better team. You know, and I know I know in the last one that Dan Lanning is really kind of a big reason that got questioned why they lost with some decisions, fourth downs, especially. But I'm riding Penix. I'm riding Odunze. I think they're more balanced than people think. Dylan Johnson's really gotten it going, especially in the second half of the year. And and I Oregon, they have to they have to show us something different defensively, or Penix is just going to it, right now. He's the kryptonite. Yep. It's that simple. It's Oregon last year because they lost to Washington, cost them a playoff spot. This year it could be twice, but right now they're on the outside looking in because of Washington. Against everybody else, yeah, they're elite. Against Washington, they just they don't look elite. Either either Nix has to match Penix, which even in the last game he was good, but outside of probably two throws, especially one deep post, I believe it was, Penix was still better. And, and Oregon's defense, I, I, I need an answer. I need an answer. Because against everybody else, really fundamentally sound. But look, what have they played? Utah can't throw the ball. Oregon State can't really throw the ball. Like, they haven't played. USC, I think they gave up 24. They played a good game against USC. Yeah, 27. But, yeah. US, but, but 27. But USC also has their issues. Mm-hmm. I mean, they – it's just it, it, at times it looks clunky and they're under and Caleb's under such pressure to score because their defense. I, I, and look, USC ended the year seven and five. Mm-hmm. So if you want to give me, they, they played good defense against a seven and five team. Cool. But Washington, they gave up a few more points, but they also put up 52 on USC. So I'm, I'm not concerned with it really. It's, I'm I, I I've known this for probably a month plus. I was as if we got here, I was going to take Washington in this game regardless. Is it going to oh, be yeah. a war or, is it going to be a war? Are these two of the six best teams in the country? Absolutely. It's it's going to be a hell of a game. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Cool. But I'm and even though every oh close game, the nine and a half is a travesty. I'm not about this. That Agreed. spread shouldn't be that spread shouldn't be any more than three. Mm-hmm. You you want you want three three and a half for Oregon? Cool. That's, that's nonsense. That. Nonsense. 
nonsense. Again, yeah. who is who is Oregon beaten? The most impressive thing they've done is go to Utah and beat up Utah in a game where stylistically they're just better at what Utah does than Utah is. Mm-hmm. Cool. I, I'm I'm going to Washington. High scoring again. Same result. Until I see Oregon's defense just play better, I'm I'm taking Penix and the Huskies, 41 to 38. Love it. I love it. I, I was hoping one of us. I, I was really considering taking Washington in this game, and I was like, ah, I'm not going to do it. But I will agree with you. I think the nine and a half points is is like you said, a travesty. I I think honestly, if I was the betting odds makers for this game, I would have made it a pick'em. I really think this is a pick'em game. I have Oregon winning 34 to 33. And I have it as a one-point game because I wanted to make it as close as possible because I genuinely don't know who I would pick in this game. And I, I leaned Oregon because I do think they're playing better football right now than Washington. Um, and I like what they have all around uh, in this game. Also, it's a neutral site game. It's not at Washington like the first game was. It's in Allegiant Stadium. So you should you should see a Michael Penix and Bo Nix show is what I'm saying. So you're not going to have any bad weather. It's in a dome. Uh, so it should be an unbelievable offensive game. I, I think Oregon's going to come out on top 34-33. I think they avenged their earlier loss. I think they play a little bit better defense. I just don't know if Washington – you know, I think Oregon is a much more well-rounded offense. I do love Dylan Johnson. I, I think he's a really underrated back. But I think Oregon overall is a more well-rounded offense than I think Washington's defense in this game uh, might struggle to defend a little bit more. So I got Oregon in a close one. I don't think they're going to cover the 9.5 points. So if you're a betting man, both Dalton and I are highly recommending – taking or uh, Washington plus nine and a half in this game, even Washington money line, I would argue as well. I don't even know what the money line is right now, but I'm sure it's very, uh, very enticing because man, plus nine and a half. I, I just, I don't understand that, man. I, th- it's not like Washington is as down Michael Penix jr. It's not like they're down any of the star I just, players. I just, I refuse for me more than anything else. We've seen it front to back really for two years. I, I, I refuse, and especially in big moments, I refuse to bet against Penix. I, I, I'm not doing it. That guy makes special throws at special times. I, I absolutely refuse to bet against Michael Penix. I'm Washington is basically plus 300 to win this game. Three to one odds you're getting to beat for Washington to win this game. I think that's insane, man. I think it should almost be even money for Washington to win this game. So I would take Washington money line, take Washington spread. Um, I don't think Oregon is covering this nine and a half points. I think this is a very even game. I do think Oregon's going to win. But I think it's by one point, 34-33 final score, I think. And the Huskies, now if they lose, now it's a Friday night game. That means every other Power 5 game is in front of you. You go home, you sit on the couch, and you just hope for chaos. Because, like I said before, there's still a path for Washington, a small path. But there's still a hope for Washington if chaos ensues. And if I think Washington's losing by one point, that's enough for me to, for them to jump over Ohio State uh, in the final discussion if it comes to that. So now you want, obviously, Florida State, Texas – uh, and Alabama to lose to for it to come to that and Washington to sneak in at number four. All right, now we get on to the Saturday games. The first one is at noon. It is It is the Big 12 championship game between number seven, Texas, and number 18, Oklahoma State. Again, noon on ABC Eastern time. Uh, the playoff scenario for this one is, is pretty simple. Is Texas is the only one that really has a shot at the playoff. Oklahoma State with three losses is not. Texas needs help with a win. Texas needs to win this game. And then like we mentioned in our past Monday episode, they probably need to win and have either Michigan or Florida State lose. Or there's a possibility that if Alabama beats Georgia, Texas would get in over both Alabama and Georgia uh, because they obviously they beat Alabama earlier this season. I don't feel strongly about that one. I think there's a chance the committee jumps Alabama over Texas. So I think the more likely one is Florida State or Michigan, and obviously the more likely of that 
is Florida State to lose to Louisville for Texas to get in. So Texas really needs some help, even with a win, um, to get into the playoff. Whereas Oklahoma State on the other side, uh, like I said, they're not in the playoff discussion, but they can win their first Big 12 title since 2011 uh, if they beat Texas on Saturday. And it would ensure that Oklahoma State goes to their second New Year's Six Bowl in the last three seasons. So really good stretch for Mike Gundy and the Cowboys uh, recently. But, Dolan, what are you uh, looking forward to most in this game? Well, the obvious is the obvious, Max. Well, uh, on either side, who's going to run the ball? But especially Ollie Gordon against this Texas yep. run defense, man. Let's 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 be real. Ollie Gordon should win the Dope Walker Award. Uh, yep. He's, he's leading lead the nation in rushing, second in touchdowns, second in yards after contact, the most 15-plus yard runs in the country, five touchdowns last week in a desperation spot against BYU. And he's done it all basically in like nine games. The first three games, yep. I think he might have had, what, 18 or 20 carries total it was. It was right. some, something like that. He basically barely played the first three games. So he's got almost 1,600 yards in nine games. Just carried this Oklahoma State team on his back all the way here. And going against Tavondre Sweat and this Texas run defense. Tavondre Sweat's the best defensive tackle in the country by the grading. Number one in run defense. He's got the number two defensive tackle in the country right next to him, and Byron Murphy, who's leading the nation in pass rush grade, and has and he's number six in pressures. This really Texas ability for as much as they have Quinn Ewers, and they had Jonathan Brooks in the run game still getting going. I'll get to that in a second. Xavier Worthy and Whittington and Sanders and all this stuff. The most stable thing for this Texas team has been running and especially stopping the run. So Andre right. Sweat, you you want tape. You want tape on him being an NFL player, uh, probably for me, at least a second round pick, go watch the Kansas State tape, man. Mm -hmm. This guy, he was the best player on the field from start to finish. Kansas against State Cooper Beebe, too. Cooper Beebe was blocking on some place, too, and he oh, still was oh, making plays. Oh, yeah. Against the best guard in the country, absolutely. From the first play to the last play, Kansas State could not get off running the ball. I, I mean, just he's a monster it reminds me a little bit of uh, you remember you remember damon big snacks harrison yes Jets and the lions love that yes yeah. he's he makes such an impact in the run game it's like that like he doesn't have a ton of pressures it's like he's so big i think he's six four and 360 but just so he's so dominant in the run game that i could argue he's the number one reason texas is here that's how good he is yeah, uh, and 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 this Oklahoma State team, for as good as Gordon is, 88th in the country in run blocking. This is a massive task. Be, I'm, I'm gonna be honest with you. There is, I don't know that there's a team in the country that can run right at Tavondre Sweat. They're gonna have to find their way around. And Gordon, if Oklahoma State's gonna win this game, this is gonna take a superhuman effort from Gordon. On the other side, because I think the team with more rushing yards is gonna win this game. Texas has found it. We were worried about him. With Jonathan Brooks out, missing the rest of the season, right? Mm -hmm. But they found it. Look, C.J. Baxter at 117 yards at Iowa State, big win. Last last week, had a whole committee of guys that combined to rush for over 330 against Texas Tech. They need that. They need that badly. Texas, the base of their offense for as much as all the star power is at quarterback and on the outside, the run game is the foundation of their offense. It's why we were worried when Brooks got hurt. And, and it affects their passing game, too. Look, Quinn Ewers, okay, he's a top-10 play-action passer in the country. Non-play-action, 96. Oof. Great around a 62 or a 63, all right? So this is really getting the run game going for Texas offensively, too, is the big, big thing. Now, 
if they can get there and they look like they did against Texas Tech last week and, and everything else is working and the pressure is off of viewers, then then they'll be the better team in this game. But I think this game comes down to who who can get more rushing yards, who can really get their run game going, and especially for Oklahoma State uh, against that interior for Texas, it, that's a real problem. Tavondre Sweat several times this year has been the best player on the field in these Texas games. Dude, I, I feel like I shared my document with you before we started recording. It's literally my entire thing was about Ollie Gordon against Texas, and all the stats that you just laid out are the exact stats that I had as well with it's, the rushing yards. Sometimes the obvious is the obvious. I yeah. mean, we just that's just it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's the storyline, man. It's really can uh, can Ollie Gordon basically carry this Oklahoma State offense? Because like you mentioned, man, you look at the Oklahoma State offensive line, especially on the interior. Um, all three guys on the interior are below a 70 this year. So Tavondre Sweat and Byron Murphy should have a field day against this offensive line. That's, again, another reason why I think Ollie Gordon deserves a Doak Walker Award. I agree with you. is because he's doing all this with a well, well below average offensive line blocking for him. And he's still the best running back in America. So he has been phenomenal this year. And also, he's got to carry this offense. Oklahoma State is 78th in the nation in terms of EPA per pass this season Alan Bowman is a average quarterback if that so you, you need a lot of help uh on Oklahoma State in terms of Ollie Gordon carrying this off because if he doesn't and if it turns into a game where Alan Bowman needs to win the game for Oklahoma State I don't think they're gonna be able to do that man so uh I and Texas's past defense has been pretty solid this year the secondary especially I really like the Texas secondary this year but uh yeah I think Ollie Gordon needs to have a huge game but like you mentioned Texas run D with Tavondre Sweat leading the way has been phenomenal. Right now, Texas eighth in the nation in terms of rushing yards per attempt allowed at about 3.9 yards this season. Also mentioned before how Ollie Gordon is second in yards after contact. Texas is fourth in the country in terms of how many yards after contact they allow per attempt, which is about 2.4 yards. So like you said, I mean, you took the words out of my mouth. Ollie Gordon needs to be superhuman in order for Oklahoma State to have any chance at an upset. So ultimately, Dolan, will Ollie Gordon be superhuman and will Oklahoma State pull off the upset or will Texas keep their uh, playoff hopes alive and turn their attention to the later games to see if they go to the uh, Final Four? You mentioned Bowman and a big thing in this game is going to be not turning the ball over. When he kind of had a mini, I don't know about hot streak, but he was better in the middle of the season. He wasn't turning the ball over. The last three games, he got six interceptions and eight turnover-worthy plays. It's he, he just can't put the ball in danger. He has to allow the run. He's, I mean, complimentary football, right, is what they talk about. And complimenting your back and complimenting what's become like a pretty good kind of opportunistic defense. They forced some turnovers. The game ended last week with a, with a forced fumble. But one of – I think one of maybe the quietest constant in college football this year has been Texas' ability to run and stop the run. And, and I think of the teams that they could have played in this title game – I think Oklahoma State is the team they most wanted to. Yeah. Oklahoma had already beat them once. Kansas State, look, I picked Kansas State to beat Texas the first time, and and it was it went to overtime. It was a dangerous game. Kansas State was five yards from winning that game. I don't think they would have wanted to play K State again. I really don't. I think this is the best matchup Texas could have gotten. I think the constants of their front seven, and even without Jonathan Brooks with Baxter and Jaden Blue and and guys like that in the run game. It's, it's just it's stable. They play a stable brand of football if it's not the highest. I, I don't think Texas is like the best team in the country. I don't think anybody thinks Texas is the best team in the country. But what they do 
is very, very stable. As long as they don't fall behind for any reason early in this game, I like Texas. I'm going to take Texas 31 to 21. Okay. Yeah, I'm taking Texas in this game as well. And my hot take, Dalton, that I, I teased you before the show, of all the games we're talking about today, I think this is the biggest blowout that we're going to get. I, I think Texas is going to destroy Oklahoma State in this game. I, I understand a lot of people are saying, whoa, wait a minute, wait a minute. Iowa's playing Michigan. We'll get into that game in a little bit. I think Texas is going to win, not only because I think they can stop the run at an elite level, which is important and really the, the key to just slowing down Oklahoma State and actually just halting Oklahoma State's offense entirely. Texas is in the mindset of well, not only do we need to win, we need to blow the doors off them. We need to show the committee, hey, this is like we are one of the top four teams. We need to be the top four. So if they win in a close game over Oklahoma State, I think a lot of committee members will be like, oh, okay, we could put Alabama in over them. If they blow the doors off of Oklahoma State, I think that'll say a lot more. Whereas Michigan, we'll talk about the Michigan game later, which I think still will be not a very close game. But I think Michigan is more in the mindset of, okay, well, all we got to do is just win. Like, wh why leave our starters in in the second half and the third quarter, fourth quarter, like we've seen, then take out J.J. McCarthy in the third quarter before? Why even risk that when all we got to do is win in order to beat Iowa? Texas, I think, is in the mindset of we need to not only win, I think we need to put, keep the foot on the gas pedal no matter how much we're up by over Oklahoma State. So not only is it a great matchup for Texas, I also think they have, they're in the mindset of they need to destroy Oklahoma State to uh, to boost their resume a little bit, whereas Michigan doesn't really need to do that against Iowa. All they got to do is win. I got Texas in this one 38-17. I think they're going to win by three touchdowns over Oklahoma State. Uh, I think they cruise to their first Big 12 championship in 14 years. I couldn't believe that when I saw it done. This is their first. If Texas win this game, it's their first Big 12 title in 14 years. Uh, and now, like I said, they turn their attention to the later games to find out their playoff fate. But like I said, I, I think this is going to be the biggest blowout that we see uh, in conference championship weekend, in the Power 5 at least. And honestly, I think out of any of the games, this is probably the biggest blowout that we see. Uh, one game that really affects Texas – is the next one we're talking about. Maybe the best, I would say the best uh, conference championship game that we're going to get close with Oregon and Washington, but it's the SEC title game. It is number one Georgia against number eight Alabama, 4 p.m. Eastern time on CBS. The playoff scenarios, we went over them before, but Georgia, it, it might be a win and in for both teams, but it definitely is for Georgia. Win and in for Georgia, but you can still make it with a loss. Uh, you probably need two of Michigan, Florida State, and Texas to lose, although they might put in Georgia if only one of them loses, honestly. Uh, so we'll, we'll see about that. Alabama potentially winning in, like we said before, but there's a chance that Texas goes, gets in over them. So Alabama winning in, and it certainly wouldn't hurt if Michigan, Florida State, or Texas loses to assure Alabama of, of getting into the college playoffs. So probably winning in and potentially winning in, but it wouldn't hurt if one of those three teams lose as well. But ultimately, Don, what is the uh, the matchup? that you're really looking forward to in this game. I think, I think this game is, is about the challenges for Alabama's defense. I, I we just, I, I don't have any answers right now on how to slow down Georgia's offense and how to slow down Carson Beck. Okay. He's third in the country and overall in passing grade, best passing grade in the country on throws under 20 yards. Okay. I think that's a big one in this game. Alabama's really, really good at not giving up explosives. I, I think they have the best secondary in the country. I believe that front corners and safeties are all included. But when you've got Beck working at such a high level, making quick reads, getting the time, getting the ball out in 2.37 seconds, that's like, that's, 
that's not just fast. That's like Tom Brady fast. That's that's legit. Like the ball is just in and out of his hands from the snap. Top eleven when in clean and pressured situations. Top thirteen whether you blitz him or not. Just there. I just we haven't seen any holes from Carson Beck. I don't know what the answer is yet. And then Bama's run defense. Honestly, if you want to start somewhere with any team, you don't let them be two dimensional. Mm-hmm. And Bama's run defense. Look, they gave up 244 rushing yards to Auburn last week. They gave up 210 to LSU. They gave up 166 to Tennessee, and a lot of that in the first half when they were really struggling with Tennessee. Alabama's defense, you know, for as good as they are, they're going to have to be even better than they've been recently. You know, look, I think everybody can agree they they should have lost last week to Auburn, right? And a big mm-hmm. part of that was they just could not. And Auburn's a one-dimensional team. They they just couldn't. They they had no answers for Auburn's run game. So I, I think the challenges right now are they have to clean that up in a week, a rough week with, with such a big emotional win and essentially a Hail Mary from Milrow and, and, and all that. But they they need to fix this run defense. They need to make Georgia one-dimensional somehow. And and then to be honest with you, if Nick's if anybody has an answer for Carson Beck, it's Nick Saban. Because yep. if he doesn't, I, I don't know who does. I this is such a challenging game. And now that Brock Bowers is back and healthy too, this this is going to test the limits of this Alabama defense. And and I, I again, like like with Penix, right? Before blitz him. Blitz him, see what happens. I, I don't I don't have an answer for Carson Beck right now. I, I just don't. He's such a good decision maker. He's so darn accurate, and he gets rid of the ball so quickly that I think. I mean, you just play fundamentally sound football, or your or your offense, Milrow, and their offense is just going to have to be better than this Georgia offense that just has not slowed down at all. Yeah. I'm glad you mentioned Carson Beck and went into that because I wanted to go to the other side of the ball. And, you know, we talked about in the Oregon-Washington game how the two Heisman Trophy candidates, two of the three, are in that game in Bo Nix and Michael Penix Jr. If you're looking for the Heisman Trophy candidates for next season, it's this game, Carson Beck and Jalen Moreau. Those are your two Heisman Trophy favorites. Now, there is a chance that Beck declares. I don't think it will happen, but there is a chance that he declares because right now I think we have him as a – Second round pick, I believe, on our big board. I have, yeah, to, I have to check, but that sounds right. Yeah, I, I just don't know. I like, I think there's a chance he declares, but you look at next year's class. Like, I don't know who the top guys are, like Shador Sanders, um, Beck, and then Drew Allen. Like, there's a lot of unknowns. Whereas this year, it's it's loaded at the quarterback position. So I can see Carson Beck saying, "Hey, I can go back next year and be a top five, top ten pick, maybe even the number one overall pick if I go back." So I think he might go back, and I think these are your two Heisman Trophy favorites for next year. Uh, because Jalen Moreau, man, he's grading out. He and Carson Beck are right now two of the five highest graded quarterbacks in the country. This is why I wanted to, this is the, what I want to talk about for the matchup is can Georgia contain Jalen Moreau? So Dawn, it, Georgia has played 11 FBS games this year. The only one they haven't was Tennessee Martin, I believe in the first game of the season. So taking that game out, they played 11 FBS games. Four of those 11 games, Georgia has won by 10 or fewer points. All four of those games were the best that a quarterback has rushed against them. The first game was uh, Peyton Thorne when they lost, when Auburn only lost by seven to Georgia. Peyton Thorne had 107 rushing yards against them. Brady Cook, when Missouri lost by nine to Georgia, he had 52 rushing yards against Georgia. Spencer Rattler, when they lost by 10 to Georgia, he had 50 rushing yards. When Haynes King of Georgia Tech just last week 
Haynes King, Georgia Tech lost by eight points to Georgia, and Haynes King had 42 yards on the ground. So whenever Georgia's played a close-ish game this year, 10 or fewer points they've won by, it's been to a dual-threat quarterback. All four times were to the best dual-threat quarterbacks they've they faced this year. Jalen Moreau is by far the best dual-threat quarterback that they're going to face this season. I think he's the best quarterback they face this season, period. Uh, his 87.5 rushing grade this year trails only Jaden Daniels among FBS quarterbacks in the uh, among FBS quarterbacks 12 rushing touchdowns are tied for second as well uh like I said he's fifth in the country with a 91.4 grade he's also second in the country with a 9.7 percent big time throw rate so it's not like Georgia can stack the box and just take away the ground game between Milrow and McClellan and all the running backs there by that because then he could go over the top on you he's got a big arm he's, he's made huge throws for them this year so you're going to have to put a spy on Jalen Moreau, I think, the entire game. And even that might not be enough, man. So that's the key for this game is because every close game Georgia's had has been against a really good dual-threat quarterback. And this is by far the best dual-threat quarterback you've faced all year. So this can be a lot for Georgia's defense to handle, I think, in this game. Yeah, Mil- Milrow is an incredible problem improvising. And when he when he gets his shoulders north and south, man, good luck. I, I, I You mentioned Jaden Daniels ahead of him. It's the same with his feet. It's the same type of ability. It is this guy. This guy's got like track speed. It's, yeah. it's nuts. And it, it's, it, at his size, that's I don't even know how to describe that. It's not even fair. But no, you're, you're right. And Kirby Smart's defense and even even Alabama's defenses now, uh, they've – They've always been like this. The traditional run game, just turning around and handing it off, you have no shot. Now, obviously, a team like Bama might have a shot, biggest O-line in the country, and Jason McClellan's really good, and they might have a shot to be somewhat productive. But I think I think even the design game, the read option game, some bootlegs, getting Milrow on the move, and we've mentioned – I think another element of that, Max, is that we've talked about all year that Georgia's pass rush is just not as great as it's been in past no. years. Their, their leader in pressures has 21 pressures on the season that's so I, they I think that's a part of it is these quarterbacks have time and the way smarts defense is is it's not like totally man coverage all the time but it's got like this like pseudo man coverage kind of thing where you know you get to play all that man coverage people's backs are turned there's a lot of space and and Kirby Kirby doesn't change it a whole whole lot what he adds in every week is like different blitzes and twists to mess up the offensive line but he doesn't add much in to account for that so Milrow as a runner is the most dangerous weapon for Alabama in this game. And it, and it is, if it's a tight game, especially late, obvious passing situations, look, Milrow's going to go to it. You already know Saban's talking to him about it. Look, you got room here to work with. Mm-hmm. Take it to do whatever it takes to win this. Just like last week, do whatever it takes to win this game. You know, and, and I think, I think his legs are a huge problem for it's the biggest problem for Georgia in this game. Yeah, absolutely. So ultimately Dalton, who wins the SEC title game and probably punches their ticket to the college football playoff? I I like the Bulldogs. They they if we're doing the eye test thing, they do look like the best team in the country again. And and I think we just I, I at the beginning of the year we did not expect Carson Beck to be this good. Um, his his decision making, his accuracy, you know, it's kind of the thing I've gotten to the last two or three weeks. I'm like, boy, he sure looks like an NFL quarterback, doesn't he? I mean, it's just until 
I, I, I don't know what the answer is. I don't know if there's a concrete answer right now to stopping this with, with McConkie and Lovett and Bowers and everything he has around him, Edwards and Milton in the run game. And I think that's a big thing too. If Georgia gets balance in this game, which I think they have a better chance to get some balance in this game. The one thing I, I like Bama with McClellan, with McClellan and Milrow, but I, I don't know if their receivers also are going to be up to this task. They need, they need Jermaine Burton to be really good. Isaiah Bond, they made the play. He made the big play last week, but they need their receivers to be better too. I, I, I wasn't all the way around too impressed with their passing game last week, and it's always a work in progress in Milrow with the benching and coming back and all this. But I like Georgia's balance. Alabama's really dangerous with their secondary. It's going to be the biggest challenge of the season for Georgia and with Milrow's legs. But – and this, honestly, for as good as these two defenses are, I won't be shocked at all if this is a high-scoring game. And I'm going to go with it. I'm, I'm going to go Georgia 38 to 34. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you got you got athletes across the board. Um, and I'll tell you one, I, I think a big one, too, is Alabama over the middle of the field and in the slot, you can attack them a little bit more. And I think with as much as they move McConkie around and, and even Bowers, much as they move Bowers around on the inside – I think if you get those two guys starting to work on Alabama's linebackers, then Georgia's got a big, big advantage. I, I don't see Georgia throwing outside the numbers a whole lot in this game. At McKinstry and Arnold, that's as good as it gets. Uh, and I don't think that's where Georgia's going to want to go here. They're going to want balance. They're going to want to work behind linebackers, crossing routes, the intermediate stuff that Beck is just an absolute expert at throwing. I think the things the, – the, the few spots where they can attack Alabama's defense works pretty perfectly into how Georgia wants to run their offense. I like the Bulldogs. All right. I'm glad you picked Georgia because I'm picking Alabama, man. I'm, I'm glad that we went um, different on Washington, Oregon. I'm glad we're going you, different. You, on this you want you want the madness is what you want. I want, want the, madness the madness this week, dude. I, I really, when I was diving, because I, I initially thought I was picking Georgia too. And then I when I dove into the numbers and I saw how much, when I was like, okay, let me look at the close games Georgia's played this year. What's been the constant theme? And if there is a constant theme. And then when I saw the dual threat rushing quarterbacks, like, oh my gosh, like this is the this is the answer. And I also think on the other side of the ball, I think Alabama's secondary is the best in the country. I think if Carson Beck's gonna look human against any secondary this year, it's Alabama's. And also Alabama's got a really good front seven as well that I know Georgia's offensive line is one of the best in the nation, but I think that can present problems too with Braswell and Dallas Turner getting around the edge. Um, on uh, Carson Beck. That's another great NFL matchup. If you see Dallas Turner against Marius Mims, it's a great one to tune into for your NFL draft fan. But I, I think Alabama, I trust Alabama's defense more, honestly, than I trust Georgia's defense uh, to be able to slow down the offense. So I, I got Alabama 30 to 27 in this game. I think, like I said, Milrose dual threat ability proves to be too much for Georgia to handle. And I picked Texas to win in a blowout before the committee is going to have a very interesting debate between Alabama and Texas as to who gets in that final spot. Um, and even Georgia is probably still alive in that conversation as well. So 30 to 27, I got Alabama winning this one and creating a very interesting college football playoff discussion uh, for Sunday. Next game we're talking about Dalton is the big 10 championship game, which is number two, Michigan against number 16, Iowa, 8 PM Eastern time on Fox. The playoff scenario for this one is, is winning in for Michigan, but you're not really dead with a loss either. If Michigan wins this game, they're favored by 23 points. is by far the biggest spread of any conference championship game uh, this weekend. If they win, they're in. And they might even get the number. I have Michigan number one in my ranking right now. I think they deserve to be number one after beating Penn State and beating 
uh, Ohio State, obviously. But if they win, they're obviously in at either number one or number two. If they lose, you're going to need two of Florida State, Texas, or Alabama to lose. Not Georgia, Alabama. You need Alabama, Florida State, or Texas to lose because Georgia would get in over Michigan uh, if both of them lose uh, on Saturday. Iowa, obviously, they're 10-2. and two. They're not making the playoff with a win. But the Hawkeyes can win their first Big Ten title in 19 years if they pull off the unbelievable upset and also their first New Year's Six Bowl game since 2015 uh, if they beat Michigan in this game. But, Dolan, what is the uh, the matchup that you're looking forward to in this game? Well, I think I think the thing to highlight here is that these are two elite defenses, and we'll yeah. we'll go we'll go for now with what Iowa does does right, and, and their defense is big time. It's not the greatest schedule they have played, but they're fifth in the country in defensive grade. They're second in run D. They're second in coverage. They have NFL players Sebastian Castro and Cooper DeGene in, in the secondary, especially. They, I mean. It's, Gene, it is. It's, 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 it's out though for the season. He got hurt a couple weeks ago. Oh, that's that's right. Was it a broken yeah. ankle or something? That's something right. like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, well. Either way, well, it's not that he didn't contribute, and he was also he was also their primary punt returner. So mm-hmm. uh, you know, with a controversial that whole thing against Minnesota <laughs> when they lost that game. But yeah, no. But but they've got NFL players on this defense. They're just they're an elite elite defensive team. Um, I believe they've only given up uh, maybe. What is it 11 or 12 points a game on the year? Uh, it, it's it's just and that's with a 31 against Penn State. I mean, they just every week winning games 12 to 10, 10 to 7, 13 to 10. Um, if the, uh, to be honest, for as low scoring as it was, the game last week against Nebraska was just madness. Um, but they play their style of ball. They know who they are. Elite defensive team. We went over Michigan. They have the highest graded defense in the country showed up in the biggest moments against Ohio state last week, the pass rush as a group, it's the highest graded D line in the country that I they've, they've got playmakers in the secondary, everything about Michigan's complimentary football and their defense, Uh, to be honest, their defense, I think is a better unit than their offense. I I really do. I think the, I think the defense is the actual, is the driver of this team. And when they needed to play most against McCord and, and Ohio state, the defense is what made it happen. So you've got, if nothing else, you do. You have two elite units in this game with each team's defense for sure. Yeah, I think that's the only. Again, that's the only chance Iowa has is just making this game as ugly as possible. Um, right now, Iowa offensively is the worst Power Five offense and the second worst offense in the country in terms of EPA per play this year. Michigan's defense is second in that same statistic. So. You got one of the worst offenses in the country against one of the best defenses in the country, if not the best uh, in Michigan. And the reason why Iowa is even in this game and why they're 10 and two this year. And like you said before, they might even have an argument to be 11 one uh, with a regime punt return, but the putrid offense, but they have a great defense, man. They, they have fifth in both grade and EPA per play this year is Iowa's defense. Now, of course they are playing a big 10 West schedule, but still, man, this is still an elite, elite unit. You mentioned Sebastian Castro. He's been one of the best corners in America uh, this season. But you look at the other side, Michigan is fifth in offensive grade and fifth in the paper play as well. So you got a really, really good Michigan offense against a great Iowa defense and then a terrible Iowa offense against a amazing Michigan defense. So uh, Iowa's defense, like Ollie Gordon, is going to have to have a superhuman effort to even have to even have a chance at winning this game, um, did you see that the the first half total for Iowa is 
0.5 and the under is even money. So they're, they're favored to score zero in the first half right now. And I think six and a half is the total for Iowa. So if Iowa wants to win this game, it might need to be a nine to six kind of game uh, in order to pull this off over Michigan. So ultimately, Dolan, will it be that kind of game or will Michigan, like everyone predicts, uh, cruise to their third straight Big Ten title and third straight playoff appearance? Yeah, I, I kind of agree. They're going to have to grease the footballs or something. Um, or <laughs> I, 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 I'm, I'm not sure because when you've got a team with in the grading the fifth worst offense and and bottom four in pretty much every category except their, their offensive line is at least because you would think you know you watch Iowa and you oh their O line's always great so they should be able to, their O line's kind of average and this this is this is um. This is right now. It's pretty much the worst group of skill players in the Power Five. Deacon and Deacon Hill. I mean, coming in there after after, ironically, the injury to Cade McNamara, a, a forty passing grade that is dead last out of one hundred and seventy three quarterbacks in the country. One big time throw, Max, and fourteen turnover worthy plays. Um, th- there's just between the injuries and and even even with their starters, just not a ton of talent to work with. I, I, I'm. I'm kind of with the unders there. It kind of sounds funny, but, and I think as far as Michigan goes, you know, I think if you want to, you want to really, you know, put a dent in this Iowa defense, just be patient, hammer it home with Blake Corum. I think he doesn't look as fast to me this year coming off the injury. We, I remember we talked about this mm-hmm. uh, maybe during the Maryland game. And I don't, I think he's maybe just down about a half a step at the speed, but and he's a tough runner, man. He does everything they need him to do. And, and I think this game, this game will be physical. It'll be defensive, especially early on. Um, but I, I think at a certain point, it looks a lot to me like the Penn State-Iowa game. That game ended up 31 to nothing. Now, Penn State in that game only managed like four yards per play. Like, Iowa's, Iowa's defense didn't even grade poorly in that game. They just couldn't. I believe they were on the field for 44 minutes. Yeah. Um, you, you, you just you, – you need something on offense if you're going to compete with Michigan. And, and I think this, this for me, and I, the, the spreads and everything, all the metrics, everything shows it, that this is the widest disparity game. I'll take uh, my debate is, do I give Iowa points? I'll give them points. I'll go, I'll go, um, I'll go 40. I think actually, I think the game two years ago between these two teams, I believe it was 42 to three. I, I think it'll be something similar to that for Michigan, Iowa. There's just, there's no speed and there's just no, and even in Big Ten play, look for the season, the scoring 18 points a game. And in Big Ten play, that goes down to 14 and a half. So if they're scoring 14 and a half on their Big Ten schedule, which didn't include Ohio State or Michigan, I certainly can't pick them to go near that. And I, I just I, I don't know what the answer is for this Iowa offense. They, they just like you said, uh, play the best defensive game ever and make it nine to six. But I don't see it coming. Michigan's on a mission and Jim Harbaugh's back this week. Yeah, he is back this week. That's, that's a great point. Yeah, so I'll actually be at this game. I'll be at the Iowa-Michigan game. Um, I'll probably have it on my on ACC game on my phone the entire time. Um, but it'll be a – listen, man, I, again, I said it before. I think Oklahoma State-Texas, that actually will be the biggest blow. I, I think that, you know, with Texas being a really good matchup with Oklahoma State and also having the uh, motivation to blow out Oklahoma State – I think that'll be the biggest blow. I think this game will be a blow maybe in the first half. And then I think Michigan will let off the gas and put in the backups in the second half. Like they've been doing all season. Uh, so I actually have Michigan winning this game 27 to 10. I got Iowa scoring double digits. I, I maybe they bought a trick play somewhere um, and, and get 10 points that way. But I, I think Iowa will score 10 points and, 
Yeah, but another thing about the Iowa offense that I think is important to know, and I'm glad you mentioned it, is that it was bad to begin with. Don't get me wrong. But, man, they got ravaged by injuries, yeah. too. I mean, Cade McNamara, their starting quarterback, out for the season uh, with an injury. Luke Lachey, their star tight end, one of the top tight ends in the country, in my opinion, out for the season with an injury. Eric All, another star tight end they brought in from Michigan with Cade McNamara, out for the season. So your top two weapons out for the year and your starting quarterback out for the year. And on a defense and an offense that was already struggling. So that was really tough. And now it looks really bad for Iowa. But 27 to 10, I haven't keeping it to a 17-point game. I think Texas will come out on top of the biggest blowout uh, on conference championship weekend. But uh, I do think Michigan's gonna win this game pretty easily and move on to the college football playoff and win their third straight. Big 10 championship. All right, Don, the final game that we're talking about is the ACC championship game between number four, Florida State, and number 14, Louisville, 8 p.m. Eastern time on ABC. The playoff implications in this game is Florida State winning in, no matter what anybody tells you. Unfortunately, Louisville is is now out. We wanted a Louisville scenario. It would have been so much fun if Louisville still alive going into conference championship weekend, but they're not. Uh, and Louisville, actually, Louisville is locked into pretty much a New Year's Six Bowl, regardless of what happens, because you and I both agree Florida State should be in if they win, no matter what. And Louisville, then, would get the Orange Bowl, because the Orange Bowl always takes an ACC team, so they would be the next best ACC team, most likely. Um, and it would be... Uh, Louisville's first New Year's Six game in 11 years uh, if they end up winning the uh, winning this game. And also their first ACC, ACC championship ever. Uh, this is their first time ever they're playing the ACC title game. So, Don, I'll let you, you told me before you have a little mini rant you want to go on. Absolutely right. Florida State's in if they win. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. No question. Uh, you can you can debate who who's – the the fourth best team or whatever or this I I'm I'm Max we we talked about it Monday and I was irritated I'm I'm over it already I, I'm mm-hmm. not I am not in on this conversation where Florida State for some reason is lesser than the rest of these teams in this race they are undefeated okay they beat LSU who has who we think should be the Heisman Trophy winner mm-hmm. and is still number I believe fifteen in the country thirteen right? I think right now. Number 13 in the country. Okay, mm-hmm. and they beat them by three touchdowns. Blasted them in the second half of that game. They went to Clemson, who's currently, I believe, number 23 in the country, where nobody, nobody, nobody goes into Clemson and wins at all. I said it when we predicted that game. I don't care what they win by as long as they get out with a win, and that's a huge – nobody wins at Clemson. They play Duke, who at the time was number 16, and Texas A&M just hired their head coach away to go coach in the SEC – Okay, at the time they were number 16 and they were clearly outside of the first quarter, which is kind of a theme with Florida State. We'll get into clearly the better team than Duke. They go into Florida last week Mm -hmm. with a backup down 12 to nothing early, got punched in the mouth. And again, this is the theme with this Florida State team and why why nobody nobody likes it. Well, they get off the slow starts. Yeah, I'll do. They do. I'll admit it. I've done this before, but I'll do it again. First half. Offensive grade 26. Defensive grade, 18th. Second half, offense, fourth. Defense, eighth. And third and cover grade. Okay, listen. I I would gladly, gladly, if Florida State wins this game, take anybody on this show who wants to debate, and, Mm -hmm. and I will do as much research as possible to prove why Florida State absolutely deserves to be where they are. 
and or I should say in the playoff. Because if they if they if they win this game and they're outside the top four, I, I won't even I, I it, they're number four right now. What would they have done to deserve to drop out? And, and look, their offense, listen, it's I've said this all year, or at least the last three weeks or whatever. There are eight teams in the country, the eight that are currently in the race, who are there is a hard line between them and everybody else. Okay. Florida State is solidly one of those teams. And I would not put them number eight. I really wouldn't. Okay. Their offense is graded higher than Ohio State and Texas. Okay. Their defense is graded higher than Georgia and Oregon. Stop this nonsense where because Jordan Travis got hurt, that even if they win, you want to take them out because you just don't want to see them against whoever. That's awful. That is Mm -hmm. awful. And I'm going to be honest with you. I think even if they played Michigan, I think they would stand a chance. I think their their defense is really darn good. I I mean, they gave up 12 early to Florida and three the rest of the – Jared Verse had the best game of his career last week. You have a first-round pick in Jared Verse. He had the best game of his career last week. Eight pressures, three sacks, forced fumble, four stops, highest grade of his career. What more What more can, can Florida State do to gain people's respect? And to be honest with you, to go into Florida down 12 nothing, Florida had them where they wanted them. Mm-hmm. Had them where they wanted them. And with a backup who was shaken a little bit. I'll admit it, Rodemaker, he was, like, he was kind of rattled early in that game. The swamp at night, we talked about it. It's a weird environment, man. It's one of those weird ones. But the fact that they got through that and they could get through this with a backup actually convinces me more that they should be in the playoff. Look at their team. Mm-hmm. You got what should be a top 10 pick in Jared Verse. You got a dynamite secondary I'm going to get into in a minute, but this this disrespect needs to stop. I'm cool with if they lose, take him out. Yeah, I'm cool. I'm easily, cool yeah. I, no issue with that. But again, like the fact that people go, well, Bama should be in over them, like just even if Florida State wins, or or Oregon, Oregon's better than them, like or, or that. I I just don't I don't get it. Yeah, like honestly, let's say Oregon wins and Florida State wins, I I wouldn't jump Oregon over them. I put Florida State number three. So would I? What? what like oh, and and I'm, last thing here, all those years, all those years that we got Clemson in the Final Four every year, and and, and now I'm hearing about, well, it's the ACC. We never did that with Clemson, no, ever, not once. What did they do? Clemson, you're in. You're in. It's Clemson, man. Even sometimes. And they won two championships. Games. Yeah. Even a, even a couple of times with one loss. Yeah. I'm, what are we doing? This is a, a an insanely good football team. You got two NFL receivers, an NFL tight end, an NFL tailback, the mm-hmm. best pass pro team in the country since like week seven, the best group of corners in the country right now. Jared Verse, uh, probably a top 10 pick in the draft. What more do we need to see other than just finish? Why is it for the rest of these teams it's finish the job? And for Florida State, it's, oh, well, you know, you're in the ace. We did this for Clemson all of these years, and we just said, wow, they're great. Look at them blowing through the ACC. And now we're, now it's not the same. for This is not – if they win, they get in. It's that simple. I don't care what you think it will look like mm-hmm. against whoever else. Because everybody, oh, TCU's not beating Michigan. TCU went in there and beat Michigan, didn't TCU they? Beat don't, Michigan. You don't. You have great football teams. All eight of these teams in the race are fantastic football teams. But whoever's undefeated's got to get in. They Absolutely. They, Absolutely. They earned it. This is not a thing where where they played 
they didn't play the Mac every week. Yeah. You know, this isn't, you know, okay, Liberty's undefeated. They're number 24, I think it is, and they played Conference USA all year. That's not what Florida State did. All mm-hmm. these years with the ACC, well, well, Clemson, they ran through it. They're Clemson. I, I, there is zero, 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 less than zero reason that if Florida State wins, they should get bumped out of the – I don't care if Alabama wins. I don't care if Oregon wins. I don't care if Texas beats Oklahoma State 60 to nothing. If Florida State wins, put them in the playoff. They are an excellent football team, and they proved it more than anything last week, especially in the second half against – Florida's not great, but they were ahead, and we always talk about in the swamp at night, and if you spot Florida a lead, they're really dangerous with mm-hmm. those backs. Now, there's some Florida play calling in the fourth quarter I wasn't in love with. I'm not getting into the Gators because we've done enough of that. They went in there. They won the game by two scores on the road with a backup. Yep. And I believe and I believe gave up three points in the second half. Second, mm-hmm. I'm going to tell you right now, if Florida State – if you just put on the tape of the second half of Florida State's games – you you might think they're the best team in the country. Yeah, they, yeah. Seriously, they 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 are they. It does for some reason. I don't know why. It's been like that since the first week with LSU, right? Mm-hmm. I think they were down a point or something. It was tied something going into halftime. And they blew them out in the second half. Yeah, it was like a for seventeen some, nothing run in the second half or something like that. For yeah. some reason, for some reason, it takes them a minute. I'm not sure why. It's kind of a weird thing. It's kind of I don't know if it's coincidental or they just have to make the adjustments. Whatever. Why? And that's the other one. Why do we always tell? Well, that team's a second half team. That's good. Well, Florida State is the ultimate second half yeah. team, and that's when games are won. So that they are clearly one of the eight best. I think they're one of the five or six best. And if they win this game, they have to be in the top four. They have to. I don't care if they. If you think they're going to go in and get blasted by forty, I, I don't care. If they win this game, and Louisville's a good team too. I know they lost last week. That's a legit yeah, they're still 20. 14. They're still number 14. It's a, le- it's a legit top 20 team that we've watched for especially the last month and a half and go, that's a really good football team. They, yeah. The two games the two games they've lost, I got to be honest with you, it's like self, this self-inflicted this self stuff. Yeah. Honestly. They, they, they just they wouldn't put Kentucky away. The pit game was turnovers. I, I'm, I'm over this thing. This, converse, this should not be a conversation with Florida State. It shouldn't. Yeah, so I want to point out some alarming comments from the college football playoff uh, directors last night on ESPN. So executive director Bill Hancock said that the committee's job is to rank the four best teams. And the most deserving is not anything in the committee's lexicon. They are there to rank the best teams in order, and that's what they do. So just keep that in mind. I, I think Florida State's one of the four best yeah. teams. It's like, how do you argue against them? Okay. So I, I get you can't you can't dock them for the injury. Yeah, it's, you can't dock them for an injury. You can't. You can't. Like, that, it's like it's like sure thing is a one of, man sport. Then yeah, I I do think they're one of the four best teams. There was times earlier in the year where I was vouching for them to be number two. Yeah, they they and then, and then real doing. quick, Boo Corrigan uh, didn't say much tonight, deflecting a lot. But his most telling comments were about Florida State being a different team without Jordan Travis. Uh, you could argue setting the stage for FSU missing. But so, yeah. So, basically, you're saying they're a different team without Jordan Travis. So, I don't then think they're why really – winning? Why, why I, are they winning? Dude, I know. Winning? I know. Trust me. I know. I, I, I am so over – and there are so many well guys that I respect in the college football I'm, I'm, I'm so analyst glad community. Going, I'm so glad they're going at 12. I, I can't – this is the nonsense I can't I, – I can't. No, like, dude. Like, it's nonsense. It's, and and – Again, like I said, there are so many people I respect in this community of college football analysts and even fans, honestly, that I've had great conversations with that are saying this. And I'm like, dude, 
This is not what it no. should be, man. This is not what it could should be. Why? I mean, why? Why is why is suddenly the ACC a Group of Five conference? What are we doing here? I don't know. Uh, I don't know. I don't... Good, is winning at Clemson not enough for you people? Like, well, wouldn't I, you I, rather? I, I said this before, and some people call me crazy. So I tweeted out last night how I was really disappointed by the conversation that I've heard from a lot of people. I, again, I don't give a damn who you think the four best teams are. I don't care who you think the four best are. You put the four most deserving in because those four proved over. 13 I think weeks. they're one of the four best teams. Yeah. I, I look, you're not you get Rotomaker for two and a half games. I think actually, I, I think I don't know if they're four best anymore without Travis. I think, like, I, think I, I think I think with Travis, they were, and now yeah. you have the last two games without him. But I'm not I'm not doing that. I'm not docking them. No, exactly. I don't I don't care about that. But if you're arguing for best, fine. I understand if you don't think they're one of the four best, but dude. You can't do that. That's just not fair to the kids, man. Where it's like we're if, undefeated. If they're not, they've they've done they so far they've done everything that every year we ask teams to do to get this far, right? Yeah. And you know what? If and and I think it's very simple. You can even put it like this: Not only would they not deserve if they lose to Louisville, they're not one of the four best teams in the country. No. A top. But if they win, the how do you tell them you're not? How do you tell them they're not if they win? It's you like, don't. You don't. They're thirteen zero. That's you exactly. So if you if if you're on uh, if you're on this committee and Florida State wins and and you take them out, just quit. Yeah, just just, just quit for any for any reason. If I I don't care if Oregon wins, and uh, to be honest with you, this would still, I think, for them to be left out, it would still take an Alabama win. Even and I do even if they if they win, I I think keeping them at four. And if, if so, if Georgia and Washington and uh, Michigan win, then four is fine. But if one of them loses, I think keeping Florida State at four, I don't think I would do that either. I'll probably put up to three. Uh, I, I agree. What is, yeah. what is, tell me this. Uh, we're going to do this on that front. What has Oregon done that Florida State hasn't? Oregon's done nothing has, this year. Has, has, Oregon, has Oregon beaten a team this year as good as LSU? No, not even close, have, I would have, say. Have, not have even close. Even, have, have they even beaten a team? Now, I know what they did at Utah, but – Let's be real. Neutral field, better football team, Clemson or Utah? Clemson. I'm over this. Alex, dude, is Clemson better than Oregon State? I think it might be too. Neutral field? That'd be a fun one. I think we might get that in a bowl game. I would love to see yeah. DJ against Clemson. Do <laughs> I don't even think about that. I, I'm, pretty I'm pretty sure I, I saw. I think I saw a bowl projection where that was possible. I would love that. that would yeah, we will definitely. So we, we're going to do a preview of the best non-near six bowl games too. Uh, maybe even next week because the bowl games start. Let, soon, please but. let me have. Please let me have Clemson, Oregon State. Yeah, please. Oh, I that'll be unreal. But dude, it's like yeah, Oregon is like. But again, I, I just want to point out an undefeated Power Five champion in the. Nine years, ten years now of the college football playoff has never been left out. A one-loss Power Five champion has only been left out once, and that one well, was when there was a co-champion in the Big Twelve Conference because they didn't have a conference title game that year. So it's Baylor and TCU that both had one loss. They shared the conference title. They were left out, which understandably so. That year in 2014, Ohio State. I re- this is the same damn conversation that we had with Ohio State when they were on their third-string quarterback in Cardell Jones, and we were saying. They're going to get blasted. Don't put them in the playoff. They can't be in the playoff. They're going to get blasted. They don't deserve to be there. They beat Alabama, and then they beat Oregon, and they won the freaking national championship. How dare you? How dare you look at Florida State and say, you you can't do the same thing, even though you're – and Ohio State had one loss that year. There's an argument for Ohio State to be left out. With Penn State winning the Big Ten title that year as well, there was an argument. 
But how dare you look at an undefeated Florida State on a backup quarterback and say, kid, Tate, you're not good enough, Tate. That's an indictment. Like, I feel bad for Tate Rotomaker that they're even talking about this because it's like, what, what has he done wrong? Me? He hasn't done anything wrong. Exactly. It's like, you, you think that little of me, that I am the sole reason that we should not be in the playoff just because I'm on the field? BS. as complete BS. If they leave him out, I listen, UCF raised the national championship banner in 2017 when a lot of people poke fun at him. If Florida State gets left out, you and I, Dolan, are both going to Tallahassee for their national championship banner. And that is not a joke to us. We were like, no, that is completely deserved, man. They definitely should do a national championship battle. Yeah, it's a, it's a thing of, well, I, I don't have proof that they're not. So, yeah, yeah no, exactly. I, I mean. The UCF yeah. one was a little funny because it's like, okay, like I wouldn't have put them in. I don't think you would have put them. Like at Florida State is like, no, no, you can't tell them they're not the national champions, man. They're 13-0 and, and you left them out of the playoff for God knows what reason. So we're both in that boat. I'm glad we, yeah. we got that off our chest. We did it last, on the Monday episode. We got to do it again because there is a lot of nonsense going on in the college football discourse right now. Florida State is in if they win, no matter how much they win by. They are in if they win. Even if Tate Rotomaker gets hurt and they're the third-string quarterback, uh, and, they're still and, and in and if I, they I, win. I'll do this again. I would gladly, gladly, gladly invite anybody who doesn't think they should be three or four yes. or whatever and anyway. at that point please come on this show and debate yes please yes. anybody i don't i don't care if it, please please do it i we i've got boatloads of numbers i've been looking at for at least a month on this this is an elite football team an elite football team and just because you think well what if well I, I to be honest with you I, I think if texas played georgia i don't think it'd be that different than if florida state played georgia and, right now but and they're georgia i tweeted too that people hated wouldn't you rather – I would much rather watch Florida State get their doors blown off by Georgia, whoever they play, than watch Texas or someone else play a close game. They deserve I would much to be there. Deserve to be there. It's like, okay, because there isn't the what-if game in my head where I'm like, oh, what if Florida State was here? What if they caught Magic, man, like Ohio State did in 2014? Is, they deserve I mean, to be this, there. Is it? I mean, is it really any different that – look – we think we know what Michigan's about to do to Iowa, right? Mm -hmm. Does Iowa not deserve to be there? I know that's not polls and committees, but this is the way it goes. Like it's not, okay. So they play the big 10 West and they won it. That doesn't mean they shouldn't be on the field. And I hate, I hate that. I hate, and I also hate because the argument is, Oh, the committee ranks by best. Not sir. Why not rank by dude? Best is what is what what, what, what is, is best? Best, best is a subjective. It's, it's it's a subjective word. Yeah, best we, best. Look, we, we, have the, we, we have we have the analytics. We have numbers and grades and everything we do on a, on a daily basis. Okay, mm-hmm. and and we we can tell you who we think is the best, and people disagree with us, and and people disagree with people on TV. Whatever, best is a subjective word. Let him prove but it. But how much? How much more best can you be than not losing a football game, <laughs> playing in a Power Five schedule? Yeah. How simple oh, is it? Yeah. yeah a, 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 one of the four best teams in the country would not lose to Louisville if they go and win. Then I think they're one of the four best teams in the country. Yep. Dude, I, I just don't. I, so four best. I, I if you look by PFF's power rankings right now, four best. This is purely not resume based at all. Four best: Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, and Alabama. So you're telling me that those you want those four in? And nobody else. You want those four. You want the Pac-12 left out. Yeah, like, best, best for them to do. Well, what if we want the four best teams? Uh, it's that's that's just the most subjective thing ever. That's the thing that we actually try to take out of it. 
Yeah. And you know what the four best, you know what the matchups would be, Dalton, if we get the four best according to PFF power rankings? We get Georgia versus Alabama for a second straight time, and we'll get Michigan versus Ohio State for a second time. You can't They've have it. done it already. Why do you want to see that again? They've done Why would Georgia need to play them again? It's like, that's not fair to Georgia. It's, it's like we look, beat them already. You can't, you can't go purely with what the computer spits out, like the yeah. Mountain West. And, and you can't, and you can't go with just, well, this is what I'm looking at. Look, Look, if you ask anybody their eye test, that right now they'll tell you Georgia. Sorry, they'll, they'll all tell you Oregon's the best team in the country. Yeah, but I, I, I know what you can do against. Like, but I, I know they, what you I can do against. Cal, I, I yeah. know what you can do against Cal. I know what you can do against Cal. I know what you can do against Arizona State. That's cool. Do the same Washington. thing with Oregon. You got to be one of the, you. You want to be one of the four best teams? Do it this week. So I, I'm just, I, I'm just done. I'm, I'm done all with right. it. We're not going to talk about it the rest of the week. On the football game. Yeah, give me the, the, the matchup I'm, 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 I'm so the, sorry that we're going this long on this. Onto the, the important onto the important part. Okay. <laughs> the obvious. Louisville's really good. This is going to be a really good football game. Florida State plays a lot better in the second half than the first half. Jared Verse was a monster last week. Watching that Louisville game last week, it was in both of their losses, some self-inflicted errors. Got mm-hmm. a 10-point lead, gave up a kick return. Scored again, fumbled it, fumbled it away. And to be honest, the second half of that game, Devin Leary, for as much as I've been getting on him this year, that was probably that second half was probably the best half of football he's played all season. So, hmm. but Louisville, Louisville just made big mistakes in big moments. Now, the one thing I did start to notice, and Jack Plummer's passing grade was really good, but I think it was the first time we'd seen Louisville's a little short on weapons. On at receiver and Jamari Thrash is a really good player. He's got just under 800 yards, a 78.9 receiving grade. They don't have another player with 400 receiving yards. They don't have another wide receiver with a 65 passing grade. There, this passing game, and this was the first time I think this year that at least I'd seen it, looked like Jamari Thrash or bust. Mm-hmm. Okay, and this is not the group, uh, a wide receiver group that has the 59th best receiving grade in the country, okay, against the best, the best group of corners in the country right now. Tied for first with Alabama overall, number one in coverage grade. Jerrion Jones, Renardo Green, Fentrell Cypress, Greedy Vance. Four guys who on a lot of other football teams would be the number one corner, and they're all on the same team. This group of corners, especially late in games, when you have to throw the ball, is beyond lethal. They, and, and honestly, they don't have to cover forever with Verse and Peyton coming at you up front. Okay? This group of corners, this secondary, this pass defense is the part where I'm telling you makes Florida State a dangerous elite team. If they Look, if they play Michigan, let's say they're number three and they're going to play Michigan, they mm-hmm. stand a chance because of this group. These are NFL-level corners. As a unit, they're corners. They give up under 50% completion, 73 passer rating, seven touchdowns, five picks, all right? And in front set, you mentioned EPA per play all the time. We keep track of the percentage of plays where you allow a positive EPA play, right? A a good offensive play. Mm -hmm. These corners only allow that a third of the time. Uh, exactly 33.3%. Only a third of the time, which is the best in the country, can you do something positive against these corners, okay? This is if Louisville doesn't run the ball, 
for a lot of yards with Jordan and Garendo. And I like Isaac Garendo a lot. He's just one yeah, of those physical good. backs. He gets downhill physical back. Fun to watch, right? They got this thunder and lightning thing in their backfield. It's yep. really dangerous. But Louisville's – last week was the first week that I think we found out they're a little short on weapons in the passing game. And Plummer, Plummer was good outside of a fumble, but Plummer is not good enough to elevate, like, average receivers into, like, big time. Mm-hmm. And – and this group of – if they get into obvious passing situations, I think this is the part where I'm worried for Louisville. They need to get out to a fast start while Florida State's figuring it out, you know, getting the getting the train rolling in the first quarter. They need to get off to a fast start and keep running the ball because I think if Louisville gets in obvious passing situations, they got a big problem. Yeah, and I think that's the same, dude. I think it's the same thing on the other side of the ball too because I think I think Trey Best has got to carry the seven offense like he did against Florida. Against Florida. He had three rushing touchdowns in that uh, 24 to 15 victory. And Tate Rotomaker, I mean, Florida, let's put it simply, Florida's coverage unit has been terrible this year. They're 113th in coverage grade this season. And even with that, even going against a really bad secondary, Tate Rotomaker still only completed 48% of his passes for 134 yards. And it was Trey Benson that carried the Seminoles to victory. He scored the only three touchdowns for Florida State uh, on the day with – with three rushing touchdowns, like I said, 24 points total. So um, Louisville's defense, man, it's not like Florida. They got a really good secondary. Quincy Riley there, their corner, I think it's been phenomenal for them this season. Right now they're 18th in EPA per pass this year. And also they are 17th in rushing yards allowed per attempt with about 4.2 yards. So if Rotomaker doesn't make a drastic improvement this week. And it's going to be tougher because obviously he's going against a way, way better defense in Louisville than he did against Florida last week. If he doesn't make a drastic improvement against a much better defense, Florida State's going to need Trey Benson, who's been a great running back for them and been a great running back for the last couple of years for them. He's going to need them to, uh, they're going to need him to carry this offense once again. And we interviewed Trey Benson and Johnny Wilson, by the way, if you want to check out that interview, he's a phenomenal kid, terrific tackle breaker, going to be probably one of the top running backs in the draft, but man, they're going to need him to prove it this, uh, this Saturday against a really good Louisville defense, both against the run and the pass. So could be tough sledding. I think for both Louisville and Florida state's offenses in this game. Yeah, I agree. Um, I, I think now I think what's going to help Florida state, I, I would actually early on, maybe just a couple of times, especially on first down, I would actually throw right into the teeth of that defense. I, I, Rotomaker has really good rapport with Johnny Wilson, but he yeah. hasn't quite fit. He must not have a lot of like practice reps with Keon Coleman because it just looked like he was struggling to get him the ball. But I think for me early in the game, one, Florida just dominated time of possession early. They were running the ball mm-hmm. really, really well. Okay. But I, I the biggest play of the game for me, it was late in the second quarter on Florida State's first touchdown drive. And, and there was there was a ball, if you remember, there was a ball thrown up the seam, I believe, to Jaheim Bell. And and it just it just unlocked it. It just unlocked it. it, it because before that, it was screens. It was like flat throws. It was just everything that Florida didn't have to respect. Just coming up and let's make him throw it over us, right? And, and it was, honestly, it was the best defensive game I've seen Florida play all year. They, mm-hmm. they, they played up. Nighttime swamp. That that and the Tennessee game are the two games where they actually played good defense, right? But I, I think I would actually I would go a little backwards about it. I would consider if I'm Florida State, let's let's take the play action shot. Let's go, let's go first play. Let's let's gun it. Because the second they threw that seam to Bell up up up, you know, up the seam, up the up the left side, it just it just suddenly started working. 
Yeah, the, some of the throws, some of the some of the, the windows were there. They had to back off just a little, and the lanes came for Bensley because they weren't running the ball well early either. They, but I I don't think I would just go with like a basic just run every first down yeah. and do that sort of thing. I I would I would mix it up, and and I think Rodemay I think he had the shakes a little bit. It was on the road. It was in the swamp at night. Big rivalry, first start. I I actually think he'll be a little calmer in this game. He's played better football. In, in the other times he's played and he played this Louisville team last year. Now it's not nearly the same team. Right. But I, I would, I would actually cut him loose early a couple of times. I, I would, I know Riley and duck and Gelati coming at him and all that, but, but they're equipped, man. They got everything. They have everything you could want in a supporting cast. Let, yeah, let him use it. Let him use it. I think early in that game, they didn't call plays like he was the starting quarterback. Look, if the kid is starting, Treat him like your starting quarterback. Yep. Let's go. Rip rip a ball up the seam, play action shot. Obviously, Troy Benson's kind of got to be the engine, but you've got Wilson and Coleman and Bell and all these things. Use them. And Use good old line protecting him, yeah. When they unlocked it against Florida late in the second quarter, that's when the avalanche came. I talk about this avalanche with Florida State. That's where it's coming. I would do that earlier. I, I would. I know this – you know I'm in on this Louisville defense still. Yeah. Didn't have a good game last week, but – I would take my I would take my shots early. Let's do it. Yeah, I would. I would love that. Remember the, uh, you know, you look back at what Florida did, um, or Utah did to Florida. It was like, yeah, they took the shot with first play. I would love to see that with like Florida State kind of be like, listen, look, we're gonna we're we're on a backup quarterback, sure, but yeah, we are gonna not just be a one dimensional. Let's, let's get let's get Coleman a jump ball on the first play of the game, forty yards downfield. Let's do it. I would love that. All right, so Dolan, we talked, I think, for literally a half hour about why Florida State deserves to be in the playoff if they win this game. Does Florida State win this game, and or is there not even a conversation to be had about Florida State and they lose to Louisville? I actually think so. I, I actually think they're going to win. I, I I think they're just, and, and this is not, I, obviously I would have picked them with Travis, but I think they're just a better football team. And this is not to yeah. say Louisville's not really good. Louisville's really good. Like, even whoever they play in the Orange Bowl is going to be, that's going to be a fun game, and it's a you got two really I think you have one I should say this I think you have one team that's really good and one team that's elite and I'm going to pick the elite one Florida State's defense might be the most underrated unit in the country just they got really good football players left and right man earlier in the year we questioned the run defense it's been better Kalen Deloach made the biggest play of their season in the Clemson game you know Jared Verse had his best good time good time to pick to have the best game of your career man nice job you know and, I, and this secondary, I, just people are sleeping on this Florida State secondary. I think Louisville, Louisville's in trouble if they get in these obvious passing situations. If they're sitting in third and long all night with the combination of all that and Florida State's pass defense, it's a problem. If Louisville's going to win, Jordan, Garendo, get on the horse, let's go. But I, I like Florida State. I, I think Rotomaker's going to be better in this game. We've seen him be better in the past. It's limited action, but it is what it is. Um, and I would do that. I would take some chances early, unlock it early, and then get in the run. Play backwards a little bit if I'm Florida State. I, I, I do like him. I think it'll be a good game, but it's also it's a neutral site instead of being at Louisville or something like that. I, I'm I'm going to take Florida State. I'm, I'm going to take him 31 to 24. And they and absolutely, I'll say it one last time, just just to sit for the rest of the week. They have to be in the playoff mm-hmm. if they win. Have to, no questions. Yep. Agreed. I got Florida State winning this game too. I think it'd be a really close game. I got 27 to 24. I think Florida State comes out on top. Um, and like I said, should 
they absolutely should clinch their first playoff berth in nine years uh, if they beat Louisville. And I think Trey Benson will get some things going on the ground. And then I, I just, I'm glad you broke down the other side of the ball because I think that's a really key matchup as well, other than the tape motor maker versus Louisville's defense is that, man, Florida State's secondary has been so good this year. The pass rush has been, has been a lot better as well. I just, Jack Plummer and Jamari Thrash, I just don't know if they're going to be able to do it against Florida State's secondary. And then it turns into whether or not Jawar Jordan um, can carry them on the ground, honestly, once again. So it could be a, a running, a big running back game between Benson and Jawar Jordan. But uh, I, I still think Florida State is going to be able to do more, even with a backup quarterback and Tate Rotomaker in this game. So we both got Florida State winning 27 to 24. And we both uh, think Florida State should be in the playoffs. So why don't we, before we leave Dalton, I'm actually, I just thought of this right now. Why don't we go back and say who we picked to win? And then obviously what the playoff would be based off of our predictions. So you had uh, Georgia beating Alabama. So you would have Georgia number one, correct? Yep. Okay, so I have Alabama winning. So then let's go through yours first. So you got Georgia, you got Michigan. I I, I have the four undefeateds, and I leave them right in the same order they're in now. Okay. I, I, so actually, I took all four undefeated teams. Love it. That would be the first playoff ever we have four undefeated teams. It would be unreal. Uh, that would be really cool. Uh, so I have Oregon winning over Washington, and I have Alabama beating Georgia. So And then I have Texas winning, and I have Michigan winning, and I have Florida State winning. So number one would be Michigan at 13 and 0. Number two should be wow, Florida number State. two would be Florida State. Wow. Absolutely. Yeah, Florida absolutely. State would be they two. should. Yes, yeah, they absolutely. Yeah, I didn't think about that. that. Yeah, they should be number two. Yeah. Florida State number two. And then Alabama beat Georgia. Oregon, uh I would put probably Alabama over Oregon. Probably, right? They beat they have a better resume right now. And then I, they, think I, I think I think I agree because when you talk about beating Georgia plus Ole Miss plus Tennessee plus some other ones over splitting, remember that you got to remember this too with Oregon. They split with Washington. I think I'm I think I'm with you. I think I'd go Bama three, Texas Oregon four. Oregon no, no, Oregon four Oregon four Oregon four, and then I guess Texas and Georgia are out. Yeah. I mean, you got. Is there a conversation teams. between Texas and Oregon, or no to you? No, if they beat, if they come back and beat Washington, I'd go with Oregon. Okay, I think I, I think I side with you too, but I think there I, is an Oregon because I think and, Texas' well, resume and, and right the now is better, and, and and the committee has shown that they're gonna prefer Oregon anyway. Yes. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. But I think what well, I would, Dave, what I would do. I actually, playoffs, it's so. probably a closer argument than we think. But they have shown that they're favoring Oregon. Right. They're they're doing this eye test thing and all that. Now, if if your if your prediction comes true and Texas wins by thirty something or whatever, no, you had twenty one. Twenty one. Yeah. If they if they do that, there there is a better argument I, I think for all three of those than people think. But I, but I agree yeah. that Bama. I think the fact that I feel like Bama has to be in makes them number three. Number three and Oregon. And they have a way better. They have a better resume than Oregon right now. If they beat Georgia, it's way better. Like it, so. Yeah, Texas no, is they, interesting though because Texas Texas has a better resume than Oregon, but Oregon would avenge the loss. This is <sighs> this is the problem of getting to play Oklahoma State instead of of, of instead of Oklahoma. Oklahoma. Dude, imagine if, if it was Oklahoma that could avenge that loss. Then I think Texas might get in over Oregon if that happens. Oh man, that stinks, man. Because I because I think that it makes it easy a- on the committee too because you don't have the Texas Alabama argument. You have you can put both in. But I would say Oregon, Oregon four. I think Oregon four is is what 
maybe I would do and what the, I think definitely what the committee would do too. So the, that's what they would do. Man, that's a tough, that's tough though. Texas versus Oregon for that final spot. So, all right. So mine was Michigan, uh, Florida state, Alabama and Oregon. And then yours was just the undefeated in terms I, of Georgia, I, I Michigan. Now, yep. Yeah. Georgia, yep. Michigan, Washington, Florida state. Okay, cool. All right. That's what our playoffs would be based off of our predictions. So should be an unbelievable uh, Friday and Saturday of college football. And then obviously on Sunday, at noon, we're going to find out who the final four teams will be. And then obviously we'll break it all down on Monday As in addition to more head coach hirings. My alma mater, Syracuse, has hired their head coach. Um, so we'll talk about that and a lot of other stuff, transfer portal stuff as well on Monday. Uh, so, yeah, so we'll see you guys the next time. And make sure you enjoy this weekend of college football because it will be absolutely insane with all five conference championship games mattering for the college football playoffs. So for producer Eli, for my co-host, Dalton Wasserman, I'm Max Chadwick, and we'll see you guys next time.